Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? Excellent. Uh, my name is Stacy. I'm the children's pastor here. Um, I'm so glad that you guys are here with us today, whether in person or online. I'm excited to be here with you all. Um, are you ready for some Sunday funnies? All right, so the 8.30 didn't get this one. When does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I got another one for you. <laughs> what do you call a belt that is made out of clocks? A waste of time. <laughs> Why did the girl put an alarm clock in her shoes? Because she didn't want her feet to fall asleep. Now, you guys know the answer to this one. Why did the man throw his watch out the window? That's exactly right. He wanted to see time fly. Now, I'm going to tell you all, I think 6.30 is the best time on the clock, hands down. But seriously, let me ask you a question. <laughs> that was a slow burn. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Why do we value our time so preciously? It's an intriguing question with which we all should try to come to terms. In answering the question, we should evaluate the relevant word. So I'm going to ask you the question again. Why do we value our time so preciously? Now, many of you may think that I think time is the relevant word, especially with those jokes. Um, but it's not. I would say that the word hour is the most important yet subtle word in the question. If you think about it for a second, we don't even question whether our time is ours or not. But is it really? Is our time really ours? With that kind of introduction, it begs the question of what are we supposed to do with our lives? Now, if you ask your parents, they're going to give you an answer. If you ask your friends, they're going to give you a completely different answer. But if you ask Jesus, he will give you the definitive answer. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, idle hands are a devil's playground? Yes. Some people even think that's scriptural. It's not, but the Bible does have lots and lots of scriptures referring to idleness. But I think today that we often take that wisdom of the scripture and twist it to serve our own desires. What do I mean by that? I mean that in our today's culture, um, our culture has driven us to think that busyness is, a, is virtuous and that we're behind if we're not at least as busy as our neighbor is, right? So let me ask you a question. Um, have you ever ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're talking and you're comparing notes of the things that you need to do to get done today or this week. It's almost as if we are uh, comparing, uh, trying to outdo our to-do list to their to-do list. Or maybe we're trying to elicit some sort of sympathy because of our to-do list that it's so long. We have placed a sense of worthiness on how busy we are. Why do we do this? I'm going to tell you what. I'm one of the worst offenders to that. Um, I have been teaching children's ministry for 23 years. And over those 23 years, I have often said that the lesson that I'm teaching the kids was more for me than it was for the children. 
And so I say that, I stand here before you today and say that same thing, that um, I am a terrible offender about comparing my to-do list with someone else. But church, I cannot overemphasize enough how detrimental it is to have our crowded lives come before our relationship with God. The enemy knows that if we are busy with the activities of life, that we are not engaged in the business of our Heavenly Father. So I stand here today and tell you that I think it's clear that the busyness of life is of the enemy. Our Lord did not intend for us to have the activities of life clutter our relationship with him. And I think he is making that perfectly clear in the passage that we are going to study today. We are going to study Mary and Martha. I'm sure you guys have heard that story before, right? Or Martha and Mary. So we are going to take a look. The scripture will be up here on the board. We're going to look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, Now they were traveling along. He entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all the preparations that she had come, and she came up to him. And she said, and I can almost hear her say this, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Hands on hips, she's mad, I can see it. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are important, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now let's put some context around this scripture. The they in this scene is Jesus, his disciples, and other people who followed Jesus from town to town while he was preaching. It could have been a handful of people, but it just as easily could have been a whole lot of people. The word welcome carries so much more than just a casual greeting in this culture. In this time, when you welcomed someone into your home, you took responsibility for their comfort and you honored them. And sometimes this often included preparing meals or a place to sleep, lodging. So you can imagine Mary was busy cooking and laying out pallets for the guests to sleep upon. We see in the passage that Mary was busy with all of those things um, preparing for her guests. The word moreover. Moreover in this verse could be easily switched or replaced with the word instead. So that the verse would have read this. She had a sister called Mary who instead was listening to the Lord's word. So after reading that and putting some context around it, we need to stop and really examine what Jesus is teaching by his response to Martha. He tells Martha that there is only one thing that is necessary in life. And from the passage, it seems like Mary has figured out what that is. But what's the good part? I'm so glad you guys asked. So um, rather than just come right out and give the answer, Jesus Um, I believe, wanted Martha to see an example of Mary and learn the lesson through Mary's example. So what was Mary doing? She was sitting at Jesus' feet, and she was listening intently to the Lord. 
how do we know that listening to the Lord is eternal? We know because in verse 42, it says, the Bible says, which shall not be taken away from her. She will have it forever. From this passage, we can see that we are to occupy our lives with content that has eternal value and not with what we've convinced ourselves is the most important, necessary things for a good quality of life. The good part in which Jesus was referring to was Mary's careful attention to the Lord. Stop and think about that for a minute. I think we can learn a lot about our walk with Jesus by that short, simple phrase, Mary was at Jesus' feet, carefully listening to him teach and instruct the others that were in the house around him. She stopped everything in her life to listen to Jesus. Now, we don't have Jesus incarnate sitting right here next to us today, but... We have him with us nonetheless, just as powerful and as profound, who deeply and totally wants a committed relationship with each one of us. We also have the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the amazing word of God. And we could pour over the Bible for an eternity and still never grasp the full measure of its meaning. Because we have all of those things, we can listen to Jesus just as easily as Mary did, so long as we are not filling our lives with the busyness of this world like Martha did. Now, every child in the U.S. knows this rule, um, how to save oneself if we're caught in a fire. It's stop, drop, and roll. You guys remember that? Yeah? All right. So what I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to put a new spin on that. And I hope that this short, simple lesson will help you save yourself from a lot of heartache and hardships. It is stop, drop, and listen. Listen to what God is trying to communicate with you. Now let's go back to Martha for just a second. From a worldly perspective, let's imagine what her world would have been like if she had done what her sister did. What if Martha came in and just sat down? As the matriarch of the home, she did not prepare a meal for the guests. Some may have even looked down on her for deviating from her customs from welcoming people in her home if she just sat down and listened. But that's what God is asking us to do. So what is stop drop, and listen look like in our lives. I strongly believe that we clutter our lives with worldly things that we feel like are important. But I ask you to take an eternal view on your busy life, on my busy life. Remember, I said I was the worst offender. What in our lives can be taken away and what can't be taken away? What are we doing in our lives that will last forever. The Bible talks in lots of places about the eternal preoccupations, but we're going to look at a section of verses from um, 1 Corinthians. And this is Paul talking to the Corinthians. It's going to be up on the board. Um, It's from 1 Corinthians 3.10 through 15. 
and it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, remember this is Paul talking, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident. Again, because they're going to be stacked. For the day will show it, because it is revealed to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of the man's work. If any man's work, which he built upon it, remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer a loss, but he himself shall be saved. The six elements that Paul was referring to were metaphors for things in our lives that are eternal and things that will pass away and have no value. Through this illustration, we must examine our lives and see if we are filling our lives with the things that will pass away or if we're filling our lives with the things that will be eternal. After we truthfully examine our lives, we can't just stop there. Just making a list doesn't work. For those list makers out there, you gotta mark them off, right? Yes, otherwise why make the list? So we must take the next step and determine how we remove those things in our lives that are not necessary and replace them with eternal activities. Replacing these, uh, these things that are wood or hay with things that are gold and silver. Actually, did you know that gold and silver are purified by fire and the imperfections melt away? The purifying fire that this verse is referring to are the trials and the persecutions that we face by being God's children. But many of you of us cry out, but I'm just so overwhelmed by the things that I really have to do. Now, I'm not advocating for shirking your responsibilities because I know we all have earthly responsibilities that we have to um, commit to. But what I'm suggesting is that we look at our lives and determine if the things that we're filling our life with are really critical. Are they the things that are going to matter in a year or five years or 20 years? Are they eternal? We each need to examine those activities and we need to be honest about how much time we devote to those eternal activities. Many people, I've heard this said so many times, that humans need diversions to live a healthy, balanced life. Well, I think we've deluded ourselves. Um, We believe that because we haven't fully experienced the true joy of a close walk with God. We are created to worship God and enjoy ourselves in that relationship with him. This relationship is what fulfills us. This relationship is what brings us joy. And there is nothing like experiencing that joy from replacing a worldly activity with spiritual ones. It's a life of blessings and joy. And y'all, let me just tell you, it's a true balance. And we are plain, 
happier people if we will stop, drop, and listen to God's word. This leads me to a logical question that I would just suspect that Martha asked. Remember, hands on her hips. So what are those eternal things? Jesus' point to Martha was this. We can practice spiritual disciplines. These are the activities that we need to fill our lives. These are the good part that Jesus was referring to. Some examples of spiritual discipline are meditating, praying, fasting, fellowship with other believers, journaling, stewardship, and the one I saved for last because it's the one that I feel like I need to work on the most is simplicity of life. When we are developing these skills, we are like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, absorbing what he wants us to learn. There are also some services that are eternal. At the moment of your salvation, when you became a Christ follower, you were given at least one spiritual gift. We are to use those spiritual gifts to glorify God. Now, you may not have paid attention to what that spiritual gift was, or uh, maybe you have neglected it and not developed it. I encourage you to dust that off and bring it out for the glory of the Lord. When we use our spiritual gifts to further God's kingdom, that is eternal. That will never fade away. Using them is part of God's will for our life. God also gives people talents that can be used to glorify him and benefit the church. Like what? Well, maybe you're really administratively gifted. Maybe you're musically inclined. Um, All of those are talents given to you by God. And he wants you to use those to glorify him and to build his church. We were created for a pleasurable relationship with our creator. He placed us here on this planet for 70 to 80 years. Now my daughter wants to live to be 140, but I say no, I say no to that. (laughs) Um, But we were placed here for the existence for God's own purposes and good pleasure. We're not here for our own good pleasure our friend's pleasure, our spouse's pleasure, or even our parents' pleasure. How we please God is by being obedient to his will. We can find out what his will is for us by renewing our minds. Remember those spiritual gifts I just talked about? When we use those, we renew our minds, just like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. And then we will no longer be conformed by the ways of the world. Also, We need to just be still and listen to that still, small voice of God talking to us. Now, we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. And many times, we don't listen to God or his word, and that causes us to have hardships. Often, we don't want to wrestle ourselves out of those worldly activities because, let's be honest, sometimes they're fun, right? They're fun, and we don't want the pain caused by removing those from our lives. But I'll tell you from experience that God will burden your heart with the changes that he wants you to make in your life. And my friends, let me tell you, 
when you make them, your life will be more fun, happier, more joyful, more fulfilling, and more rewarding, and it shall never be taken away from you for an eternity. Please bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you uh, for the opportunity to get up here and share your word with these people. I pray, God, that they will have the opportunity to just slow down, to choose one aspect of their life to simplify God. I pray that you will help them to remember to stop, drop, and listen, that we can sit at your son's feet, that we can enjoy relationship with Jesus. I pray all of these things in your precious son's name. Amen.